out about the van, and this one woman came to me, and she wrote a check for the van. And so that evening at the evening program, I praised the Lord. I said, hey, y'all, I praise God. God took care of the $2,100 for the van. One of your members prayed for it, and the church was like, amen. But then, the, the, listen to me. The, the mother, the woman who paid for the van, she came to me, and she said, Jeremy, let me tell you the whole story. I said, my wife already told me, man, you came and you wrote a check for $2,100. And she said, do you know that's the exact amount? And she was like, yeah, I'll, I'll come to take care of the whole van. What more to it? She's like, you don't get it. She said, I really didn't want to pay for the van. I'm like, excuse me? She said, let me tell you something. She said, I grew up in a small village in Africa. She said, I'm a pediatrician. And she said, right now, me and my family, we don't want for nothing. But she said, because, watch this. She said, because of my humble beginnings, she said, I've been building up a storehouse. And she said, God's been telling me to let go and give. She was like, but I'm just afraid of being back in poverty. So watch this. So she said, Jeremy, it wasn't, it really wasn't about me fixing your van. It was more about God fixing my heart. So I don't know who that's for. I'm just saying, sometimes church folk feel a certain way, man, you keep giving. You can't be God-given. You keep giving. Because I believe whatever time frame, I don't know, three months, six months, whatever time frame y'all have planned to move inside there, when you start sacrificing more and you start saying, we're not going to eat out this week, we're going to start, we're going to cut back. I ain't hitting no more malls unless it's like a 60% off sale. You know what I'm saying? But you say, I ain't doing none of that. I'm giving everything extra. I'm going to give to where it hurts. Like, the Bible talks about that, and it ain't nobody, I promise you. Your pastor has not came and told me anything about, like, the financial position you And I swear before our Jesus, what I'm telling you is what God is telling me to tell you. There is power in giving. There is a community, the Euclid. Euclid is like, I need more. And God wants for y'all to be that nice, cool pool of water for a community that's thirsting for salvation. And so I, before I preach, I just want to challenge y'all. Keep giving. Don't think I, I gave it. No, it's God money anyway. You can't be God given. That's why I wasn't surprised when homeboy won. The $20,000 that your pastor won. When I first heard the news, I was, you would have thought I won. I was like, boom. I said, yeah, boom, we won. She said, well, we, we won 20000 because I feel like I'm a part of the family. But I never forget when I was at y'all church, when I was crying, he was crying, and he said, man, God telling me to give a little bit. I done saved up. You can't be God-given. God will honor your sacrifice. It's his money anyway, and it's to reach his people. And so let's just pray again. God, so that was like a little commercial. Do what you got to do, Lord, so that we can expedite this thing, Lord. We should be, we should be anxious for nothing, but I ain't going to lie. We are anxious about souls. We are, we are excited about seeing people delivered and restored, God. So I pray that you will bless your children with the means to give more so that we can push the movement, so that we can push you, Jesus, so that we can share your love, your grace with this community, Lord. So do something special here. Continue to get to us, and we promise God we'll give back to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. amen. The fight for your life. The fight, the fight for your life. We are all in it. I feel like I'm fighting for several different aspects of my personal life, just for me personally. It's a fight, and it's not easy. And I've been sitting back thinking about this theme over the past couple of days. And I'm like, okay, God, give me something to fight for your life. I'm just, I've just been really soaking this whole notion in 
for the fight for your life. Because the reality is, is many of us are fighting, and some of you don't even recognize you fighting. Some of you, life is pretty good right now. Everything is smooth, and you don't even know. You fighting the spirit of complacency. And we live in an area, in a city that's hurting, that's dying to fight for your life. The enemy is saying, I don't even have to really afflict them. As long as they're comfortable and good, I got them. The enemy is saying, as long as I can distract my children, I got them. So I've been thinking, I'm like, man, God, you know, the fight for your life. Like, what word, like, what do you want me to give them? And God brought me to a story. Anybody familiar with King Jehoshaphat? Just raise your hand if you are, just a little bit. We're going to talk about him for just a little bit this morning because he experienced something powerful. And what God told me is, God said, son, the problem is, is my children are in the fight for their life. But the problem is, is they doing the fighting. Only like six of y'all. All right, so watch this here. God says, son, everybody in the fight for their life. But the problem is, is they won't let me do the fighting. The problem is, is my children trying to do the best they can, but they not completely surrendering to me. And don't you know you can't win the fight without Jesus? You can't, listen to me, you can't win without him. The problem is he's allowed us to experience a little bit of success in education, and we think we smart, we think we deep, we think we got it going on, and God like, you don't get it. You can't do it without me. And so here in the Bible, turn with me if you will. Yeah, turn with me if you will to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Real quick, real quick. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to read something real quick. Can you turn me up? Can we get a little bit more volume? I want to make sure we all hear this. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Now, this is deep, okay? So you've got here King Jehoshaphat. He's got a whole bunch of people. And God, in a very special way, God puts his children in a position where they ain't got no choice but to lean on him. You see, some of you, you're in a position right now, and you feel like, man, why is this happening to me? And God is like, I got you here because I ain't win. Never talk so much in your life. I got a good friend of mine, John Simone. We'd be on the prayer line in the morning together. And he came to me one day, and he said on the prayer line, he was like, man, I am so grateful to be going through all the issues I'm going through in my ma-. I said, you grateful for all the trials you're going through? He said, yeah, man, because I've never been this close to God. He said, this position that God has me in, it's keeping me on my knees. So for some of us, God is like, I'm going to allow you to be in a fight, and I ain't going to let you do nothing. And so since you got the handcuffs, all you can do is fall on your knees. So God is like, I want to bless you. I want to take care of you. But if I allow you to stay comfortable, you'll lose your soul. It's weird. He's like, trust me, God wants us all to be happy. I I got scripture to back it up. He wants us to like be living like the best life ever. But he's like, some of my children, if they got it too easy, they're going to forget about me. All right, let's turn to your Bibles real quick. I got a lot to share in a little bit of time. You'll get it. Second Chronicles chapter 20. I'm just going to read verse one. This is a very long story. I'm just going to read verse one and kind of fill in the stuff in between. After this, watch this. The Moabites... The Ammonites and the Mayuites came to rage war against Jehoshaphat. How many people, how many armies did I just name? Three armies about to rage war against King Jehoshaphat and his people. It's one thing to have one army. You know, you got an army of 100,000, about to fight an army of 500 or something like that. But three different armies? I'm thinking like, Jehoshaphat, who y'all made? Who you picked? 
Who who you upset? For three different armies to want to raise war against you at the same time. You, Pastor, it's one thing. Let me talk to you. It's one thing if you got a beef with one person, and after that scuffle, you you knuckling up, you leave that, and then somebody else want to box. And then, but you got, or it's two guys, but three different armies at one time come against the children of God. So when I first read this, I'm like, ooh, this is gonna be good right here. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the, that's the crazy thing about the Bible is we give a lot of. Uh, uh, um, credit to these guys that make these movies, um, George Lucas with Star Wars, yeah, but a lot of them, they're not that creative. They come to the Bible, and they take little stories, and they twist it. The Bible is something special here. Pick it up, young people. I'm telling you, man, this got some good stuff. So when I first see this, I know how the story ends. So let me see what happens here in the middle. So now you got three armies coming against the children, the children of God, his people, King Jehoshaphat, three of them. And they like, okay, what are we going to do? And so, let me say this here. Verse 15. Watch this. Because at this point here, King Jehoshaphat, he goes to God. And he's like, God, I can't. He's like, I can't do it. We're your people. You delivered us. You brought us to this land. I can't, I can't, we can't fight these armies. So he starts praying to God. Look what the word of God said. He then said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judea and Jerusalem, Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord said. Be not afraid. Do not be discouraged because of the vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Watch this. Watch this. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of George in the desert of Juriel. Watch this, verse 17. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your possessions, stand firm, and see the deliverance God will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. He says again, do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. So let me tell you what happened here. This is how the story goes. They get word that three armies are coming to get them. King Jehoshaphat, he then goes and he has a one-on-one conversation with God. When you read like verse 4 through 12, it's pretty deep. He basically like, hey, God, you did this for us. You did that for us. You really going to let us be attacked? Boom, boom, boom. And after he does that, he goes and he talks to some of the elders and some of the people. And he tells everybody to pray and fast. He tells them to do what? You'd be surprised what happens when you start putting a little fasting with your praying. Everybody in one accord. And the word of God says that the Holy Ghost hit one of the young men. Hey, so, so, so now I know this is, a, if this was a church that was not as progressive, I would probably tell y'all to, to give a listening ear to some of the young men and women. Yeah, because God's speaking to them. So this young man hit with the Holy Ghost. He says, hey, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. So because of that, the word of God actually says that King Jehoshaphat put together a choir and a praise team. So get this. So the young man of God says, hey, God just told me we don't have to fight. He says we good. God is going to fight our battles. All we got to do is just go there and show up. Go up by the path of this, over there by the George of the desert, and you guys are going to have to fight. So because they heard the word of God, they say, you know what? We about to get our worship on. 
So King Jehoshaphat put some people together and look at the song that they wrote real quick. I think this is so good. So watch this. Verse 21 says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And as they went out ahead of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. All right, let me rewind. Let me rewind because you missed this. Because some of y'all, you think you, you're not even in the doggone fight. You think you in the fight of your life. You don't even know how to fight. And here they got three armies against them. And when they heard the word of the Lord, listen to me, your Bible is filled with the word of the Lord. It's filled with promises. But for whatever reason, you don't believe it. But if you just believe in the power of God, if you take his word literal, if you believe that he lived back then and he's still alive today, everything changes. The problem is, is we don't really believe. We caught up on the reality of TV. We don't believe in the reality of the Holy Ghost. It's because when King Jehoshaphat hears the word, he says, oh, snap, we got the victory. And watch this. The young, watch this. The young man, God never told them, go into battle and march or do whatever. Watch this. He just said, get your people. You're not going to have to fight, but just show up to the fight. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on. Don't play with it. Listen to me. Listen to me. He never, he never said, he never said, rally your people together. Because sometimes, there are some times when the Bible, when God was like, all right, children of Israel, I want y'all to fight, and you go win. No, 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 not this one. I promise you, not this one. He said, get your people together, march your army down there, show up to the fight, but you ain't going to have to fight. Because King Jehoshaphat believes what Tachibet said. If you did it before, he can do it again. Saying God right now, uh, you know what I'm saying? Saying God back then, if he did it before. You know what I'm saying? I love that song, and it's so real. It reminds us if he did it before. Same God right now, same God back then. So, so King Jehoshaphat, he hear the word. He like, hold on, young brother. What the Lord said? The young brother like, hey, we ain't got to fight. God just said, show up. He going to fight this battle for us. It ain't ours anyway. He, he said, God said, stay outside my business. This not even a fight. It's the fight for your life, but you ain't got to fight it. And so when King Jehoshaphat hears the word, guess what he does? He's like, he, he doesn't say, all right, so we're going to do this. He's like, man, let's just worship before, before we even show up to the victory that God has given us. Let's just worship on the way. So he like, praise team, get together. Male choir, get to, youth choir, get together. You know what I'm saying? Mass choir. And they put them, watch this. I think it's so deep that look what the word of God says. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing in the praise choir for the splendor of his holiness, and they went out ahead of the army. Watch this. The word of God says that they, the praise team went ahead of the army. So it's not like, look at this, I, I ain't never thought of this, but look at like the psychology behind the scripture here. What the average person that's got little faith would do is, Okay, so put together the army. Y'all go down there, and I'll have the praise team in the back. So after we get, 
Watch it. Watch it. Watch this here. Watch this here. Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. There's a reason why they worship on the front end. I don't know how you and I would do it. We would probably be on some, all right, Army, I need y'all to go, and then we're going to put the praise team in the back, and then after we get the victory, we'll be prepared to worship. But what the man of God says, he got the word and said, huh? We already won? Hey, y'all, we ain't got to fight. Oh, we ain't. Hey, praise team, come on, praise team. Everybody grab the drums, the cymbals, the keyboards, the microphones. Let's go worship. And watch this. And because God told us to show up, we'll go ahead and bring the army with us. But we go worship first. That's the life of a Christian. Because far too many of us, we on that, all right, God, when you deliver me, then I'll give you thanks. God is telling us here, before you even fight, before you show up, you give me praise in advance. And I just believe that it's your praise that executes the victory. I believe that it's in your worship that you gain the strength of the victory. Because that's what you see here in the Bible. So look, so look what happened here. Man, come on, Holy Ghost. Here's, here's the song again. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. So it probably was something like this. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. That's good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. Uh, his love endures forever. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Yeah. Give thanks. Give thanks. Come on. Give thanks to the Lord. Yeah. Give thanks. Give thanks. Yeah. Give thanks. Give thanks. Now they marching. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord. Woo, yeah, that's good. So watch this. I, I promise you, I ain't make that up. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. So just the lyrics there. Just to, 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 when they got the word, they just felt the love of God. So they like, before we even do what he told us to do, let's just worship God. And so they like, man, let's just give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. They, some, hey, look, sometimes God has to put you in a position and then tell you he'll deliver you so that you can experience his love. It's like sometimes when you need something from somebody, you don't really know the level of that friendship until you need something from them. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if somebody needs $1,000, and they're like, hey, man, I really need $1,000. And they're like, hey, I got that $1,000. Because you were in need, it puts you in a position to receive that love from them. And so God said, I got to put my children in a little need so I can show them how much I love them. I just want to encourage somebody here. I just want to encourage somebody. Some of you, you in a position right now, and you like, woe is me. And God is like, no, woe is me. I put you here so I can deliver you from it. You not The battle ain't yours. It's the, Yolanda Adams said that back in 92. 92, the battle ain't yours. Come on, come on, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. I wish I could sing that thing. Anybody know it? I want to sing that thing. Uh, what is it? There is no, ah, come on. All right, all right. If I could do it, I promise you I would. Let me be obedient to the spirit, though. All right. There ain't no hurt, man. In all seriousness. Think of your life. Think about your life for just a moment here. 
Look what the word of God says in verse 22. I just, I want y'all to get it, that's all. I, 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 want, I want y'all to get the power of God and how you were allowed to activate that power inside your life. Shh, watch this here. As they began to sing and praise the Lord, set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Watch this here. Look how it happened. Because when I read it, I'm like, how did they get defeated? God, like, I ain't going to, you know, some things are mysterious. God, like, I ain't going to tell you. He tells it to you here. Watch this here. As they began to sing and praise, get this. Verse 23 says, the Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir. That's weird. So it's three armies marching to fight God's people. Two of them start beefing all of a sudden. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men of Mount Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked towards the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. The word of God says that no one had escaped. So I'm going to stop right there before I get to the real good part, because you're probably thinking, like, that's the good part. Let's rewind here. The children of God are in a bad predicament. There are three vast armies coming to destroy them at once. The leader, the man of God, goes to God and says, God, we're your people. I mean, he is crying out to God. You've done this for us. You've done that for us. I know you can do it. Can you help us again? Like, you did not bring us this far for us to be defeated by these clouds. Help us, God. So he goes and tells other people, let's pray. Let's worship. Let's fast. Let's just fast and worship. In the midst of that, the Holy Spirit hits a young man. I think his name was Juriel. And the young man says, look at what the Lord has said. The young man says, we do not have to fight this fight. The battle is not ours. It's God. And then he says that God said, just show up to the fight, but you're not going to have to fight. So they heard loud and clear what God was going to do. And because of that, I want you to get this. Because they knew that God was going to deliver them, that moved them into worship. God never told them, go there and worship. God just said, go there and get the victory. And because they knew they were getting the victory, they were grateful for what was to come. And that moved them to worship God. And in the process of them worshiping God, their victory was manifested and confused the enemy. So let me just say this here. The enemy is watching every aspect of your life. And he likes to feed off of complaining. He likes to feed off of negativity. He likes to feed off of doubt. You don't even know that you're surrendering to Satan. Watch this. When you adopt this mindset of fear. I'm sorry, my bad. When you adopt the spirit of fear. Because the word of God says, I have not given you the spirit of fear. But of what? 
power, a sound mind. Listen to me. God is like, I didn't give you that spirit. There's a reason why God said this. He could have said, I haven't given you the emotion of fear. He could have said, I haven't given you the feeling of fear. But he said, I have not given you the spirit of fear. Because fear is the opposite of faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so that is what makes us righteous and holy. By our faith in God. Are you following where I'm going here? So you've got God and the enemy. You've got faith in God, but you, you can't have faith in God and fear the enemy at the same time. And so you're in this fight for your life. And you're wondering when you're going to get your breakthrough. The word of God has already proclaimed that you got a breakthrough. It's on the way. God is just like, watch this. God is just like, I just need you to worship to the battlefield. I need you to worship throughout the process. Because your worship confuses the enemy. Come on, come on, come on. Listen to me. So often, we wake up, we have our devotional, we read the promises of God, we say, yes, God, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, but then we get hit with traffic or an accident or we lose our jobs and instantly we fall out, we cry, we depressed, we possessed. It's your, the spirit of God resides inside your brain. So now you, you adopt this Luciferic mindset, this, that. It's about me. What I can do, God, like, no, it's about me. Let me do. Don't be fearful of the enemy. I got you low. I am with you always. So what happens is, is we end up adopting the spirit of the enemy, and that's when we get defeated. But if we can just worship, it's in our worship, it's in our praise that confuses the enemy. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast armies, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. Imagine that. I just want you to just see what God can do. It's stuff that's happening that you're not even seeing that's happening right now. You're complaining about some stuff, and God has already worked that situation out. God is like, I'm waiting to reveal it to you when you recognize that I got it under control. So by the time they get there, two armies killed one, and then those two that were left, they killed each other. Listen, the word of God says there wasn't any men left behind. The Bible don't lie. If it was a couple, the Bible would have said most of them killed each other and only a few escaped. No, they all killed each other. I wonder if it was like mono we mono, like you got one uh, uh, Ammonite left and one Moabite, and they just like, ugh, they both just died. I don't know what happened, but God took care of all of it. And then look at what he did. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. You know, that's like all the equipment, the horses, the tools. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. Not only did God deliver his children, 
Not only did he say, yup, it's one of y'all, it's three of them, I'm going to kill all of them. But he says, what they came to destroy you, what they came with to kill you, I'm going to now give to you. I'm going to now equip you and make you that much more stronger from this experience. And there was so much plunder and equipment and stuff of value that it took them three days to carry it on. Like, like our God is a God of exceedingly and abundantly, more than we can think or ask. You know, it's one thing to have three armies against you, and boom, you get the victory. But then to have so much stuff that God now has given you that it takes you not one but two but three days to carry it back. That's the power of God. What does this mean for your life? In the next few moments, what does this mean in your personal life? Because many of us today, we in the fight. You feel, hey, some of you, you come here, you got your t-shirt on, your hat, you look good. But on the inside, you hurting. On the inside, you feel like you fighting. And some of you, you probably feel like you're fighting by yourself. Even though the word of God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You still feel like, I, and I understand it. I get it. You feel like you're by yourself. I get it. That's why Jesus had that very, that very vulnerable moment when he was on the cross and it was dark around him. And though he knew better, he just still was in that, that flesh. And he's like, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? He wasn't forsaken, but it was just our filth. Like my mess was on him. Your mess was on our Savior. And it was heavy. And he felt like even he was by himself, but God was behind the clouds like, son, you're not by yourself. I want to be there, but you got to go through this. Listen to me. You're in a place in your life right now where you feel like you're in the fight for your life. Never forget the one that gave you life. Listen to me. If he gave it to you, he gonna see, he's going to see that you get through it. What you got to do, though, is you can't give up. Listen to me, whatever you do is you cannot give up. You cannot surrender. Little Birdie spoke to me, and God was like, call your homegirl. And I called my homegirl, and I said, hey, homegirl, what's up? Her voicemail kicked on. I left her a simple voicemail message. I want you to know I'm praying. I don't know what's happening. I want you to know I'm praying for you. It's like Wednesday. I want you to know God loves you. Whatever you do, don't give up. Whatever you do, hang in there. You're going to be good, but you cannot give up. Do not quit. I hung up the phone, and I figured, like, that's crazy. I don't know what's going on. The Holy Ghost two days later said, call your homegirl. See what's up. I called, and she was like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, what's up, sis? How you doing? She's like, I'm making it. I said, girl, you get my voicemail message. She said, no, my voicemail message is full. It's been full for a few weeks. I need to delete some messages. I'm like, it's not possible because I called you two days ago and I left you a voicemail message. Did you hear it? She said, honey, it's, you, you did not, you probably called uh, the house. I'm, I called your cell phone. I left you a voicemail message. I don't want, what was the, what just, what's the message? Don't, no, no. Just listen to the message and you tell me what you feel God is telling you. So she's like, listen, I hear you, but my voicemail message has been full, but I'll still call it and just see. She calls me back crying. She's like, Jeremy, how did you know to call me? 
I said, first of all, we haven't talked in probably six months, but God just told me to call you and just encourage you. What's going on? She said, she said, I know that was the spirit of God and I feel now how much God loves me. I said, what's going on? She said, I was about to give up. She said, we about to get a divorce. I'm like, I'm like, well, you know now you can't do it. She says, the fact that you left me that message and told me not to give up lets me know that God is still working on my side. She said, but what's this? But she said, what I'm trying to understand is, how are you able to leave the message? I said, sis, there are certain things that I am concerned with and certain things that God tells me don't worry about. So when I called you, he had already worked it out. So she tripping on the fact that her voicemail has been full for over a week, but I was able to leave that particular message. She's like, you know what's crazy is, me and my husband got a marriage counseling session tonight, and she ain't planning on going. But she was like, I know now not to give up. I share that with you, beloved, because everybody in here, you're all in different areas of life. You're all fighting different things. Some of you, you fighting the fight of finances. You feel like you so deep in finances and God is just saying, I, I, you worried about your finances, I'm worried about your heart. God is saying, you in lack, but give to me. Because when you look at the prophet of God in the Bible, he, the God was like, go to that lady, have her make you a cake. She, he goes and says, hey lady, I'm a prophet of God. I know you're a woman of God. I need you to whip me together a cake real quick. She's like, oh, prophet of God, I would whip you together a cake, but if I make this cake, that's it. And so I was going to make two cakes for me and my son. We was going to eat these two cakes and we was going to die. But God is like, I'll do it for you. She says, you know what? If that's what God, watch, listen to me. It's levels to it, y'all. She like it. I'll give my if that's what God is calling me to do, I will give my last to God. And she wasn't even expecting that. She like this is what God's told me to do. So here's whoop, here's the cake. Boom. After she makes the cake, she goes back. She got enough flour, meal, oil for a long time for her and her family. What am I telling you? You might be in that fight of finances, and God like don't trip on that. You just keep giving to me, cause some of you you holding. You feel like you in that fight by yourself. You not. God owns, like the Bible says, all the cattle on a thousand hills. But let's go deeper. All the galaxies, all the planets, all the universes, all the stuff in the earth that we haven't found yet. He owns everything. But like that lady said in California, it's not about me giving to your van or fixing your van. It's about God fixing my heart. Maybe you in that fight. I don't know. Maybe you in a fight of your life for your marriage. I'll be having people tell me, yeah, pastor, I, you know, I, I need to get marriage counseling, but I can't afford it. I'm like, you can't afford a divorce. Like your wife, I'll be like, my brother, your wife is the most about your house. Ain't nobody tripping on your 3,000 square foot house. Who cares? That's going to burn your wife forever till death do us part. That's your most valuable investment there. Ain't nobody tripping on that S-series binge you got. That can crash. You still good. Your wife is your mother. How can we not invest in our wives, in our families, in our marriages? I don't know. Some of you here, you're in a fight for your marriage. I know it ain't easy. Listen to me. 
God is trying to purify you through your wife or through your husband. It ain't supposed to be easy. I believe that marriage is to make us happy and holy. Don't even play with it. Me and my wife getting counseling right now. She'll meet us in Chicago in a couple days. You might say, Pastor Jeremy, why y'all getting counseling? Listen to me. Me and my wife, we good, but we ain't great or phenomenal. It ain't exceedingly and abundantly. There is more. I want to have a stupid, Holy Spirit-filled, blissful marriage. So I'm like, hey, boo, I need to learn how to serve you better. I need to learn how to be more in tune with you. I need to learn how to move more with you. You've experienced some things when you were younger. Let's get counseling. Listen to me. Some of you, you're in a fight for your marriage. You're so selfish. You're still focused on yourself and what you're getting and what you're not getting. That ain't the spirit of God. God has a spirit of giving, a spirit of protecting, a spirit of covering, a spirit of service. That's the power of God. Some of you want to fight for your character. Your character is raunchy. You one way in the public, but in private, you're a monster. You think you fooling people? You can fool us all day long, but you can't fool Jehovah. And he is like, I got you in a position because I don't want you to give up. I want you to get closer to me. I want to fill you with my spirit. I want to strengthen you. Some of you, you got issues with your families. You feel like you fighting generational curses. You are. It is not easy, but God is still with you. And what we cannot do, family, is we can't give up. That's it. The fight for your life. The only time we should surrender is when we surrender to God. Because when you wave the right flag to Jesus and you say all to Jesus, I surrender. When you say, Jesus, I surrender to you, that's when you get the victory. That's when you get your strength. That's when you get that next level covering. And when you get the victory, as we learn today, all God is calling you to do is to worship him. That's where your power is. You want to see how you fight back? You want to figure out how you can aid and assist Jesus in what he's doing in your life? Is you just surrender to God. You just put your hand up and say, God, I can't do it. And then when you read the word and you see, God, you've already given me the victory. And then you move into worship. That's when you allow God to seal that decision and turn that situation around. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through. But there's about to be a baptism that's about to take place. And I got no doubt that there are people from the city of Euclid, from the city of Cleveland, this area, that there there are people in our church. It's it's about 30 more people that need to be baptized. But at some point, you got to get to a point where you surrender everything to God. That's the thing. I surrender all. You still got the mask on? You still kind of trying to do right? No. You can't run from your sins, but you can run to a savior. And Jesus is crazy about you. I told y'all before, when I got, when I started having my conversion, my grandmama told me three things. She said, baby, God loves you. God will forgive your sins and God still wants to use you. I'm like, Grandma, how does he use somebody like me? 
She's like, baby, you ain't that good of a sinner. All you got to do is surrender. So let me just tell you, trust me, God ain't tripping on what you did last night or that little thing you're struggling with. Trust me, God is focused on your future. He's just like, stop doing that and walk with me. Now let me tell you before I give this appeal, let me tell you how important it is for you to be obedient to the spirit of God. I know your pastor is real big on on family worship and families. And let me tell you why. It's because that is how the enemy is attacking God's children. It's through the families. He's like, if we can have broken homes, we got young girls that grow up and they don't have their father there and they look for them to love from any knucklehead that's going to show her attention. Youth go up in the household and your father ain't there. The young guys, they want to adopt what they see in TV like broken, ballard, confused. Listen to me. The family element is strong. I believe that there are some families that need to get baptized. There are some husbands. There are some wives. There are some young people that need to say, you know what, God, I want to go to the next level with you because I've been fighting by myself for a long time, and I need you to fight with me. Can I just get those who are going to be baptized to just join me up front? Praise God. So watch this. So listen to me. I want to make sure you hear me clearly. There was a point in the Bible where Jesus was awake praying. And the word of God says that Jesus saw Judas and the traitor and soldiers that were looking for Jesus. The word of God says that Jesus, knowing everything that was going to happen to him, came out of the wilderness and went to them and said, who is it that you're looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus said, I am he. And when he said that, they fell to the ground. That force, that power knocked them to their feet. But what I want you to know this afternoon is there's something special about being desperate for God. Like, I believe Jesus was desperate when he was in that wilderness because he went to them knowing what was going to happen. But he's like, hey, hey, who is it? Hey, guys, right here. Who y'all looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. That's me. He was eager for you. He was desperate for you. Can we be desperate for him? I'll never forget, a year ago, I was in Phoenix, and we baptized like 15 people, and we gave an appeal for people to get baptized. Desperate for Jesus. 20-something people jumped in the water fully clothed. They were like, I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of the struggle. I'm tired of fighting by myself. They said, I am tired. I want to be baptized. Forget the shoes or the wet clothes. I need Jesus. Who are you? I ask that you join us now. There are some people that's tired. I need prayer warriors praying. Prayer warriors, I need you praying. You're tired. And you want to say, today I choose Jesus. Today I choose victory. Today, I choose to be baptized with this group. Where are you? Whether you're in the church or outside the church, where are you at? Where's the first person 
that says, I have been fighting this fight by myself and I am tired of losing. I ask that you join us up here right now. Where are you at? This is the best decision you can make in your life. Take your time and think about it. Prayer warriors, I need you praying because there are more people that need to say, God, today I choose to give you my life. I want to go all in with you. I don't want to sit back and smile at them being baptized, knowing in the back of my mind that I should be there. Where are you at? There's a young man. Yep, there's a man. That's a man of good, but God is saying, I want you to be a man of God. You're leading your family. You're, you're a pillar. People see you. People watch you. What you do, it has an effect on people, and God is calling you. Where are you at? To my sisters. To my young sisters, where are you at? To the older women, where are you at? Where's the first person at? I don't have to ask if you're here. I know that you're here. Father in heaven, God, can you just give us a release? Let me ask for that. Can you give us a release, Lord? For whatever reason, they're still thinking about what people are going to think or say. Or if he says this one thing, I don't have nothing clever to say, Holy Ghost. I don't have anything clever to say, Lord. We need for your spirit to move and to draw them, Lord. They're sitting here, and they're poor, blind, and naked. They think they got it going on. But, Lord, they, they need you in their hearts. They've been fighting this thing for a long time, and today, Lord, they need to go all in with you. Tell them, Lord, we can work out the clothing, the change of clothes. That's easy. We're prepared to receive them, Lord. Send extra angels to fight on behalf of them. Fill them uh, with your spirit, God, so that they can choose you, the obvious choice, today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Where are you at? Where are you at?